Welcome to the Mission North Shore podcast. If you'd like to know more about our ministry here at the Mission, visit us online at www.themissionnorthshore.org. Thanks for listening. God bless. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, another another day with you. And Lord, we do ask that you would just help me to focus on what you've laid on my heart, and Lord, we are so blessed to have your word. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you'll uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 9, and uh, on my paper I have here 1 through 9 plus 10. Um. Yeah, and I just, well, never mind. When, I, when we get to 10, I'll tell you why it's that way already. Um, for the last couple of weeks, Tripp talked about grace. And uh, interesting enough that I knew that I was going to be giving this message probably about, you know, a month ago. And... Not always good that I have a month to study for one message. And I came up with this on grace, what we are talking today about. And uh, two weeks ago, he starts in and he goes that he wants to talk about grace. And I went, oh no, now what? I just studied for three weeks and he's going to talk about the subject I wanted to talk about. And, and a two-parter even. Um, so I'm like, oh my gosh, that's even like worst case scenario. They heard it for two weeks. Not a, now I got this whole thing, but I'm too lazy to start all over again and pick a different subject. So I uh, called them and I said, hey, you know what? Uh, that's what I was going to talk about was grace. And uh, he said that, you know what? You can't talk about grace too much. Amen? And uh, today I want to focus on a certain aspect of it. And kind of the background was that Spencer must have been playing worship and he played that song, Amazing Grace, which is uh, probably my most favorite of all the Christian songs and probably the dearest to me. And I remember as a uh, teenager in a little church in Kailua and getting, getting saved in 1971. And uh, probably shortly after, that was probably the most important, maybe the first one that I actually really listened to the words and the words had meaning, was that song, Amazing Grace. And uh, when we sing it, it always reminds me of back then, the first time I came to know the Lord. And that's what I want to focus on today. The amazing grace of God. The song, actually, I want to use that as a template for us to kind of go through the verses. And some of the background, I don't know if you know any of the background to that song, but it was um, actually written originally as a hymn by this guy, this guy John Newton. It was published in 1773, and he wrote that poem 
for a Sunday morning message that he was given. And most people know that this guy, John Newton, was involved before his conversion, actually even after his conversion for a little while, in the slave trade. And in a big storm off the coast of Ireland, where it looked like they were all going to die, that he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord saved the whole boat and him, and he gave his heart to the Lord. And that started his conversion, you know, to uh, become eventually a pastor. So this song is a testimony of how the Lord touched him. Okay, and basically it is, it actually got put to music later on. And uh, I wanted us to consider one of the things is to consider that, that as we sing that song anytime, that we remember that, and I notice that it's easy for me to forget. And, and a verse in that song, it says, How precious that grace appeared the hour I first believed. And it seems like the, our appreciation for the grace of God is probably, at least in my life, greatest that evening that I gave my heart to the Lord. And shortly after, when the Lord changed my life, you know, not perfect, but mostly, you know, way different than I was before. And uh, that's kind of what I want to convey today. And normally I realize that as I talk here on Sunday, I usually kind of talk general what for us. You know what I mean? Like an exhortation for the church. But today, what I wanted to do was to really highlight the grace of God. And I even thought about that. The grace, we can talk about grace in kind of like general terms. But the grace of God that we talk, the, the grace that we talk about here is God's grace. Okay, and that's what I want to focus on. God's grace towards us. Um, Two weeks ago, or the last couple weeks, um, last week Tripp talked about abusing grace. Right? Ignoring the grace of God and going after sin. Right? And the week before he talked about abusing grace in the sense of becoming legalistic. Right? Where you kind of like... Forget about grace, and it all becomes rules and regulations. And today, what I want to talk about is amazing grace. For us having a correct view of God's grace towards, and I have here me, and that's for all of us. Because when you consider that song, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. Okay? And each one of us, as we sing that song, or we consider the grace of God, the grace of God towards us personally. What it has done for us and what it continues to do for us. Three things that we're going to look at today. Who He is. That God is a God of grace. 
who we are if you don't know the Lord or who we were if you do, if you've given your heart to the Lord, that we are a people in need of God's grace. And lastly, who we are now because of God's grace, that we are led by the grace of God after salvation. Let's open up to Ephesians chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verses 4 through 7. We're going to cover 1 through 10, but I want to start 4 through 7 because that's the part about God's grace first. And it says here, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him, and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, He might show the surpassing riches of His grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So God is a God of grace. It's who He is. It's God's character. Grace. In Psalms 145, verses 8 and 9, it says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in loving kindness. The Lord is good to all, and His mercies are over all His works. In Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 through 7, and this is Moses, he's in up on the mountain, and it says that the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed. So the Lord is proclaiming who He is. The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. Yet He will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. So grace and trip, I know He said it both weeks, and I'll say it again, that grace is the favor of and kindness of God towards us. Unmerited and undeserved on our end, and completely out of the goodness of the heart of God. And if you look it up in the Hebrew language, grace also conveys the idea of bending down or stooping down with the picture of royalty bending down to regard the lowly. And we know that that's what God did for us. That in John 1.4, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God, by His grace, came down to seek us out and save us. And that's one thing that I can remember that in my testimony that when I was a, whatever, 17 or 18 year old guy living in Ever Beach, you know what? I was not seeking God. Not at all. But you know what? One thing I didn't realize was that God was seeking me. 
And you know what? That's the main thing of all, is that God looks for us first. We think, possibly, that we found Him. Right? We're the ones that are lost. He's not lost. But you know what? He's looking for us. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. Now, all of those things, and when you turn, maybe you can start uh, turning to Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7. Luke 15, verses 1 through 7. Consider the extent of God's grace that He looks for us. Why would He even be bothered to look for a bunch of creatures that go the other way all the time? He pursues us. And that's one thing about God's grace, that He pursues the sinners. Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 7 says, Now all the tax collectors... And the sinners were coming near to him to listen to him. Both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing, and when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you, in that same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Now think about, I read that, and I actually read it in a book. The Lord leaves the 99 to go after the one that runs away, or the one that's lost. And you know what? That's God's grace, the extent of it, to each and every one of us, and to every person that doesn't know Him. C.S. Lewis says that the distinctive of Christianity from all other religions is grace. God's grace. All of the others are asking, right? Man, or their pursuit is to do what? Is their pursuit of God. And I know that Tripp talked about this last week, that it's man seeking God, doing whatever he has to do, all the different stuff, you know, to get to God, like God's on the top of the mountain, and you got to get up there. But true Christianity is what? That God coming down to us, and He seeks us out first. Let's look in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. For Christ also died for sins once for all, 
the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Okay, the grace of God, the amazing grace of God is what? That you know what? God does it all. And our part is to respond. It says here in that song, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And the second point that I want to touch on is it's who we are if you don't know the Lord. Or it's who we were if you do know the Lord. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it says that who we were before the, we knew the Lord. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the cause of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived, in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So that's who we were if we know the Lord. And that's who you are if you don't know the Lord. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, it says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God but being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So all of us have sinned. We've missed the mark. Okay, not just against other people, mainly we've sinned against God. And we led a life that we did what we wanted to do. You know, and it, for us, it was maybe some of it was out of ignorance. Some of it was, was just blatant disregard. But now we know. Apart from the grace of God, we are sinners in desperate need of His grace. So in our sins, Christ came... And died for us, the Bible says, which is pretty amazing. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. In our sin, when we were still going the course that we had chosen, Christ died for us. According to the Bible, before Christ and the grace of God, we are, some of the terms here, lost, blind, dead, separated, alienated, and under God's wrath and judgment. Some of the terms. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, or maybe just 9, I'm not positive. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So by the grace of God, that 
He not only sought us out, He actually made the way for us to be right with Him. And in uh, confession, what does that mean? That means to agree or to admit. So when we confess to God, we're not telling Him any new news that He doesn't already know. We're not informing Him. We're agreeing with Him what He knows that we are. John Stott says, Before we can see the cross as something done for us, we must see it as something done by us. That our sins led to all of that, but you know what? God, in His grace, made the way out. For us, Thomas Merton said, We cannot find him unless we know we need him. We cannot find him unless we know we need him. In Luke chapter 5, Jesus says, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In this world, and maybe for any one of us, maybe that's part of our story that, you know what? We led a life in denial. We didn't know. Right? Just like when I had my uh, heart issues. I'm guessing that I was in denial for the three or four months that I was having chest pains and thinking that it was something else. Okay, and... Praise the Lord for the grace of God that, you know, He knows what a knucklehead I am. And He, and he gave me an extra three or four months to wake up and get to the hospital. God's grace is free. No works needed. His grace cannot be earned or won by any efforts of man. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, he says, Therefore, by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that any man can boast. Romans eleven six 6 says, But if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. So, I mean, how amazing is that grace, is that God makes the way, but even including that, is that there's no way that we can work for it. There's no way that we merit it. That God is giving it, the Bible says, free to each and every one of us. There's nothing that we can do to merit that. The song says, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed." And it was, of course, with each and every one of us, that man when I don't know if everybody had a similar experience as I did, where it was probably the second time in my life that I had ever heard the gospel. 
and seemed like the guy in front was talking directly to me. And you know what? I wasn't thinking, even that it was the guy in front, I knew that it was God speaking to that guy sitting in the very back. If, If I could have sat further back, I would have. And you know what? The Lord's grace reaches all the way back there where this guy was sitting. And I knew it was him talking to me, and I responded. But I noticed that, you know what happens? Because I've been living in that grace for so long, I'm not sure that if I really am honest, that I think that that grace is as precious, like the song says, to me now. And it's easy to take it for granted, because it's there. Right? The grace of God is there. But you know what? I guess probably the main thing that I want to say in this message is that I want us to consider really not just the past, how the Lord saved us, right? But I want us to think that, Lord, help me to have that same heart for your grace and that same appreciation for what you've done to us. Okay? Did I, do I consider it amazing, God's grace, now? Or has it lost its importance in my life? Or do I take grace for granted after all these years? Grace continues in our life after salvation. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And I'm going to read this in the New International Version. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So after salvation, he's telling us that We need to stand in the grace of God. In Acts chapter 13, verse 43, Paul exhorts the believers in Antioch to continue in the grace of God. So that grace is not just for salvation. That grace covers us all the way. We must continue in the grace of God. Again in that song, it says, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Who we are now, that we're covered in the grace of God. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Therefore, I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it, or bring it to maturity until the day of Christ. Amazing grace that, you know what, God starts it. God seeks us out before, when we're still sinners, God saves us, sets us on our way, and even through all of our trials and tribulations and the knucklehead stuff that we do after we come to know Him, that that grace still covers us. And not only that, that 
He's going to bring us through. Right? And I don't know how many people here can testify to that. That we are here at this time, how? By the grace of God. That's how we made it, right? From 19, Butch made it from 1971 to 2017 by the grace of God. And you know what? All the way to the end, and we're probably going to be standing in heaven. All of us, you know, that know Him and going, you know what? The amazing grace of God got us here. And you know what? What a blessing to think that, you know what? God doesn't say butch and you go, okay, good luck. I hope you make it. Right? That He's made the plan and that grace extends all the way into heaven. Praise the Lord for that. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Paul says that God spoke to him and said that my grace is sufficient for you in his trial. For why? My power is perfected in your weakness. That His grace, and you know what? Each one of us, that applies same way. That His grace is sufficient for us in every situation. And easy for me to say now, because everything's going pretty good. Right? We can go, hey, praise the Lord for the grace of God. But when you're in a trial, maybe, you know what? You're not looking at the grace of God. You're looking at the trial more. But he says here that my grace is sufficient for each and everything that comes your way. For my power is perfected in weakness. And you know what? I dislike most is my weakness. I don't like to be perceived as weak. But you know what? Before God, we are weak. And you know how much better is it when we depend upon the grace of God? In our weakness. We are weak. But He is strong. His grace is sufficient for all that comes our way. His grace will continue to work in our relationship with Him. And bring us to full maturity. Spiritual maturity. Up to the day of His coming. So He's going to finish the work. The Bible says also that He's the author and the finisher of our faith. We can rest in that. Ephesians chapter 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. When I first started this message, I was only going to 9. And then I kind of thought of a different aspect of grace. And that grace is, God's grace is the great motivator. That God's grace motivates us to follow through with this scripture. And it says there that we are His workmanship. The New Living Translation says that we are His masterpiece. How many people feel like a masterpiece in here? Right? I don't feel like, I read that, I go, man, that's a stretch. Okay, that's like a real stretch. It's, It's a cool scripture. The NIV says that, We are God's handiwork. And literally, that verse is poem, what that word is poema, where in the English we get the word poem. Interesting enough that John Newton wrote that, 
originally as a poem, that song, Amazing Grace. Anyway, if you consider that, how many people, and you don't, don't raise your hands, how many people here, any one of us, consider ourselves as God's poem or God's masterpiece? Right? That's what it says in the Word. And you know what? Maybe we kind of live under the grace of God. That we don't live in it enough. And we don't look at it enough. God's grace motivates us to live for Him with our whole heart and fulfill our mission. His plan for our life to His glory. God motivates us through His grace. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 10. One of my, I love this, probably one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. 1 Corinthians 15, 10. He says, by the grace of God, the Apostle Paul says, I am what I am. And His grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. By the grace of God, I am what I am. Each and every one of us. Right? Whatever we are that's good, it's by the grace of God. And His grace was not in vain. Now there's an interesting little concept to that scripture. Okay, and he's saying, the Word says that. And, and Paul is saying that about himself. And sometimes, you know what? Maybe I don't. Walk in the grace of God. But I know that that's what He wants for me. That song says, When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. God's grace motivates us to gratitude and appreciation for what He's done for us. God's grace should motivate us to worship and praise. And we're going to sing Amazing Grace. And you know what? I want each one of us that as we sing that song, you know what I mean? We know all the verses. We don't have to look up on the screen or anything. But I want each one of us to really consider what that song, and maybe for some of you like me, man, that's like the most important the, the dearest Christian song because it reminds us of when we got saved. But consider the words and consider what that song is encouraging us to do. In closing, John Newton's last words. He says that my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank You for Your amazing grace. Lord, and I ask that as we consider, Lord, and we sing these songs of worship, that, Lord, Your grace would be first and foremost on our mind. That You saved us when we were lost, when we were dead, in our trespasses and sins. Lord, that Your grace has carried us up to this point in our lives through many trials and tribulations. 
Lord, in your grace, is going to take us all the way to the end. Lord, we are so grateful for your grace. And any time that we forget, Lord, any time that we think less of it, Lord, we ask that you would remind us. We thank you so much this morning of your amazing grace. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.